19th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Welcome, Michelle. Welcome. Happy Mother's Day tomorrow to all you mothers out there. Um, And I mean that in a nice way. uh, Let's see. We are currently on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Please give us a five-star rating. And we're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. This week, our topic is the Cloverfield franchise. There are three movies total in the series, and more possibly on the way. All of these films were produced by J.J. Abrams. He employs the mystery box style of storytelling. The idea behind that is to hide a mystery within the series, and then fans will go crazy and kill themselves to try to find solutions to the mystery. He's created and directed tons of TV shows and movies, including Felicity, Lost, Fringe, Alias, Star Trek, Mission Impossible 3, Super 8, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Persons of Interest, Castle Rock, and the upcoming Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And that's just to name a few. Um, All of these are made by his production company, which is called Bad Robot, and most are distributed by Paramount, except for the third movie that we'll talk about in a second, and that one went straight to Netflix after it was announced during the Super Bowl last year. Um, All of these movies and TV shows are produced under the utmost secrecy. The movies have code names instead of actual names to throw people off track, so some of these were codenamed Slusho or Cheese while filming. The actors don't even know what movies they are trying out for, and they don't have a script to read. Many of the people who were auditioning, well, one of the pe- pers- one person who was auditioning for the first Cloverfield thought that she was auditioning for a Star Trek movie. So, um, yeah. So that, I'm sure that makes it interesting all the way around. So let's go over the three movies. The first one is Cloverfield from 2008, directed by Matt Reeves, written by Drew Goddard. The second one is 10 Cloverfield Lane from 2016 that was originally named The Cellar, directed by Dan Trachtenberg, written by Josh Campbell, Matt Strucken, and Damien Chazelle, and that's starring John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, also known as Mew, M-E-W. Mew. Mew. Uh, The third movie is Cloverfield Paradox from last year. Originally named The God Particle, directed by Julius Ona, and written by Oren Uzel. Um, Overlord I'm throwing in here because there was, before Overlord came out this year, there was much, much ruckus about it being part of the Cloververse. But when it came out, it actually was not tied in to uh, the Cloververse in any way. It's a story of World War II uh, Nazi zombies. So the Americans have to go into France and take down a radio tower and then they encounter Nazi zombies. But So basically anything that Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams does, people are going to try to speculate as to whether or not it's tied to the Cloververse at this point. There's also another possible movie in the works, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Where to find these movies? Cloverfield is available for free on Amazon Prime for members. 10 Cloverfield Lane is available on YouTube for $3.00. And Cloverville Paradox is available on Netflix.
Rotten Tomatoes scores. Cloverfield. Critics gave it a 77. Audiences gave it a 68. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Critics gave it a 90. Very high. Audiences gave it a 79. And Cloverfield Paradox. Critics gave it a 19%. Audiences gave it a 43%. So that holds true of what we typically see, which is the third film really sucks. According to either critics or audiences. Uh, the plot. So, um, and I'll save everything that talks about the crossovers between all these movies and how they fit into the Cloververse for the trivia section, because I think it's more appropriate there. So the plot of the first movie, Cloverfield. Cloverfield is a found footage film. It takes place in 2008. A gigantic monster, uh, think uh, kaiju Godzilla size, attacks Manhattan and destroys everything in his path. A group of 20-somethings try to survive and get out of town. So they include Rob Hawkins, his brother Jason, Jason's girlfriend Lily, Beth, uh, who uh, Rob is secretly in love with, and Rob and a few of the others actually turn around and go back into town to try to rescue her because she's trapped in an apartment building that's been knocked sideways by the monster. There's also Hud, Marlena, Elizabeth, and Jamie. Cloverfield is the name that the government gives to the monster. We only see brief glimpses of it, and that's why it makes it that much better. Because, you know, it's just your imagination as to what the thing's going to look like. I'm typically not a fan of found footage, but I really enjoyed this film. And I watched it again last week, and I, I liked it, I think, better the second time around. And it's only 85 minutes long, so that helps too. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. This is an apocalyptic film told in the third-person narrative. It takes place in 2016 in Louisiana. Howard Stambler, played by John Goodman. You like him? Yes. Yeah, I like him too. He has a survival bunker, and then Michelle, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, ends up in it after everything goes to hell. She's told by Howard that the air is poisonous outside and they must stay inside the bunker or they'll die. But we never know for sure if Howard can be trusted. Um, and I won't ruin the specifics of the rest of the movie for you. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the reason I enjoyed this movie is we started off as one thing, an apocalyptic film. And it turned out to be something very different. So that was a fun twist. The third movie, Cloverfield Paradox, is a space horror film. Earth in 2028 is running out of energy. The world's governments take a drastic step and create the Shepard Particle Accelerator, which they start above the aboard the Cloverfield Space Station, and that's because it's too dangerous to start on Earth. In a TV interview, Mark Stambler, do you remember the last name? We just said Stambler. Turns out to be the brother of Howard and warns against starting it. He says the accelerator could destroy the fabric of space-time cause multiple universes to collapse, and make changes in the past, present, and future. And guess what happens? have no idea. Mark was exactly right. The crew, once they start the particle accelerator, ends up in a different dimension, and they must try to get back to their own, and then all sorts of craziness happens. They end up with a crew member from another dimension called Mina, and she's pretty shady and I don't think to be trusted. A guy's arm gets sliced off and becomes sentient at some point. And uh, 
and signals to them that it needs to write them a note. So they give it a pen. <laughs> they give them a pen and look on your face is exactly how I felt when I saw this too. They give them a pen and then it writes, uh, slice open this guy's stomach and that's where the gyroscope that they need to operate the space station is inside this other guy's stomach. The hand does it? The hand tells them that, yeah. Oh my God. Meanwhile, Ava's husband, one of the crew members' husband, is on Earth trying to hide from whatever gigantic hideous monsters are attacking them. Again, we don't see them, but it seems to be something really big. He rescues a young girl, and they hide in a bunker together. Not the same bunker that Howard's in. Um, and there's also a side story about Ava's grief over the loss of her two children. She brought a fuel cell home, and it caught fire and killed the two kids. Now, in the other woman's... Um, Bad choice. Yeah, the other woman's dimension, Mina's dimension, Ava's children are still alive. And the question is, how can this Ava um, alert her alternate self in order to help her save the children? I didn't enjoy this film as much, to be honest. And according to Rotten Tomatoes, nobody else did either. And the story is just not that compelling as the other two. And it seems like the scenes in order to... Um, tie it into the Cloververse were just tacked on. So, yeah, I didn't really like it that much. Even on uh, second watching, I didn't like that much. Now, why should we watch these movies? Well, is it, it is really interesting to see where this franchise is going because I'm not sure if they have a diabolical master plan for the Cloververse or if they're just making things up as they go along. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. Also, this series has one of the most extensive viral marketing campaigns ever much of the mythology of the series does not even happen on screen so this is one of the i can't think of many more examples there are a few but this is one where um if you if you just watch the movies you're probably missing like a third of the total story um i mean and people there is so much documentation and speculation about this on the internet it's crazy about how people have speculated I, I mean people have spent massive amounts of time trying to figure out how everything's related so so here's the basic premise of the series as I understand it thus far again take it for what it's worth because it can get complicated it is complicated yeah wait to hear this so what we are seeing are events on Possibly four different Earths in four different timelines. Cloverfield is Earth 1 in 2008. 10 Cloverfield Lane is Earth 2 in 2016. Cloverville Paradox may be Earth 3 and Earth 4 in 2028. Each Earth has a similar characters, but they are not identical and they don't act exactly the same. Ava, for instance, on Mia's Earth, never went aboard the space station. She was only the ground crew. And on Mia's Earth... She replaced Tam on the crew uh, of the space station, and also on her Earth, Schmidt was a spy. So that's why she doesn't trust him when she ends up on the other ship. In Cloverfield Paradox, starting the Shepard Particle Accelerator did exactly what Mark Stambler said it would do. It tore a hole in the space-time continuum, and it affected the past, present, and future in all of the movies and caused the monsters. In Cloverfield, it's the monster that attacks Manhattan. In 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's the space aliens, once she gets out of the bunker. And in Cloverfield Paradox, it's the monsters that Michael hides from, um, and then the really big one in the last scene. 
with me so far, it's going to get even more confusing. Okay. I need a class. I need some like flow charts or graphs mm -hmm. or something. Okay, here we go. Here's the last part, I think, of the, the big overall structure of it. The nefarious Tagaratu Corporation seems to be behind all of these happenings. They have oil drills all over the world where the first monster... They have oil drills all over the world and they have one over where the first monster came out of in the Atlantic Ocean. They built the Cloverfield Space Station and their influence can be seen in lots of other areas which we'll talk about during trivia. Apparently their objective is to be the most powerful company in the world. So those are the three main points about what's going on now. Ready for trivia? Trivia! Trivia! Maybe I'll understand this. Let's see. Cloverfield was released when found footage films were relatively new. Several people complained of the jerky motions causing them motion sickness. And theaters put up warning signs warning audiences because some people threw up. Oh, my gosh. Now nobody's going to bat an eyelash at, you know, some guy running around with a camcorder. Interactive movies. Yeah. Cloverfield is named after Cloverfield Boulevard in Santa Monica, where J.J. Abrams drives by each day to go to work in his, his uh, Bad Robots production studios. Yay. Um, at the beginning, did you ever watch Lost? No. Lost? Okay. Lost, I watched it, and I was very frustrated, and I think I'm still angry about it. I would be lost. Yeah. Everybody was lost after watching the whole thing of that. At the beginning of the Cloverfield movie, you see the briefly see the logo for the Dharma Initiative, which is from Lost. And, of course, he produced that, too. There are single-frame images of other great giant monsters in Cloverfield, but it's only one frame, so you really have to stop it in order to see it because it, it goes by so fast. Um, one's King Kong. One's them, the giant, is the giant ants from them. And one is the beast from 20,000 Phantoms. Uh, let's see. Abrams often uses the name Kelvin for his maternal grandfather, Henry Kelvin, in his movies. It can be seen in 10 Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield Paradox as a gas station. It's also in Star Trek and a whole bunch of other stuff. There's a Kelvin timeline in Star Trek. The monster, here's, here's something kind of cute. Well, sort of. The monster in the first movie is actually a baby, even though it's bigger than all the buildings in Manhattan. And it was awakened from its slumber in the Atlantic Ocean and is searching for its mother. Um, and tearing down buildings. Oh, baby monster. Yeah. Can't get cuter than that. Yeah. If only he was a little smaller. <laughs> um, there is still some debate as to whether or not it's still alive. The military nuked Manhattan in order to kill it at the very end of the movie. But you also hear a voice if you play it backwards at the very end in the credits that says it's alive. J.J. Abrams is on record to say the monster is dead, so I'm going with that. Either way, there's more than one. The parasites that fall off of the... Oh, the monster's name is Clovey. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's called Clover, but then we call it the baby Clovey. Clovey. So... The parasites that fall off the baby clovey are crab spidery-like creatures. So they got like six legs, and then they got pinchers. They're, they're hideous, and they can climb on the ceiling and all sorts of stuff. Um, so as the monster's tearing up the whole place, they fall off and then continue to attack people. Dinner. 
Yeah, so you can't, <laughs> when you get away from the monster, one of those things are going to get you. And they attack people and inject them with something that may make their stomachs explode. Um, the military referred to Clovey as an LSA, which is a large-scale aggressor. Here's something that's fun that was an iconic image. Um, so when they did the first trailer for Cloverfield and they didn't even list the name of the movie, all it showed was the date and J.B. J. Abrams' name and the head of the Statue of Liberty being thrown down one of the streets in New York. This is a reference to Escape from New York starring Kurt Russell, directed by John Carpenter. Did you see that way back in the day? John Carpenter. Yes, from Halloween. Did you see Escape from New York? No. There's Escape from New York and there's Escape from L.A., which I just watched last week, and the CGI in that one, special effects in that one, did not hold up well. But mm. uh, Escape from New York, I, I remember watching that originally and really liking the premise of it. This, the Statue of Liberty's head was doubled in size to make it more impactful when they threw it down the street because they're like, we tried it with the actual size, but people weren't as impressed because apparently people think the Statue of Liberty is a lot bigger than it actually is. Um, all of the main characters in Cloverfield had MySpace pages that were created before the movie that had extensive backgrounds. The ARG, which is alternate reality game, provides much of the mythology of the Cloververse. And we talk about like where it all went next, but one of the other most popular ARGs of all time was I Love Bees, which was for Halo 2. So the original Cloverfield game had fans first going to the website 1-18-08.com and that's even before they knew the name of the film. They then went from there to a Slusho website, which is at slusho.jp for Japan. But I just checked that yesterday, and that's not currently loading. But it was then. Um, then they go to the tagaratu.jp website, which I'll talk about in a little bit later what's there currently. Then they went, ended up on an environmental group website called Tido Wave. One of Rob's friends from the first um, movie was secretly a member of this group and later disappeared. Then they go to the MySpace pages uh, to find out what they can from the characters. Then to YouTube where they see that uh, footage of the Tagaratu station, um, oil drilling station collapsing. Also, people who bought Slusho merchandise or won a Slusho contest got more clues. They received a memo that said Tagaratu discovered a sea monster and built an oil well over the top of it. When it was exposed to the nectar that is in the Slusho drinks, the monster grew uh, exponentially in size. The game ended when 200 fans were invited to Rob's going away party, which is the premise of the first movie, that they're all getting together for going away party for him. How's that for complicated? That's sweet. That's pretty complicated, isn't it? I think it's complicated. It's gotta, interesting. Got to be gives really you committed to go to all those places. Gives you something to think about. Yep. So Rob, from the first movie, here's another tie-in, was moving to Japan to work as the VP of Marketing for Slusho. Slusho is a subsidiary of the Tagaratu Corporation. Howard, from 10 Coverfield Lane, also worked for a Tagaratu subsidiary called Bold Futura. He worked 
on satellites and was named Employee of the Month in 2016, which you could have seen previously on the web, Tagaratu website. Congratulations. Congratulations, Howard. Um, <laughs> Tagaratu, besides those, so we've already mentioned uh, Bold Futuro, we've already, which is uh, military applications and satellites. We've already mentioned, mentioned the Slusho Drink Company. Besides them, uh, Tagaratu also owns... Yoshida Medical Research, and a company called Parafun Wax Distributors. We have no idea what that's supposed to do. But um, the Celestial Drink Company actually appears in several Abrams properties, including Alias. And a little figurine was seen aboard the space uh, station in Paradox. Jason also wears a Celestial T-shirt in Cloverfield. And... We see an advertisement for Flusho in the window of a convenience store in 10 Cloverfield Lane. And as we mentioned, Slusho's key secret ingredient is called seabed nectar, and that's derived possibly from the monster. Uh, we don't know. That's where it gets a little hazy. Or from its egg. We don't know, but there were directions for the Slusho drinks that they had to be served in a near-frozen state in order to preserve the secret ingredient. At the end of Cloverfield, Rob and Beth are at a fair, and you see something drop from the sky and into the water in the background. Some people have said it was the crew from the Cloverfield station who ended up in a wrong dimension. Um, and then some people have said it was a satellite, which would have been one of the ones that Howard was working on. Odds are, I think it's a satellite. I don't think it can be the crew of the Cloverfield station because... That happened before the events of the movie. That was at the very beginning of the movie before the monster appeared. So uh, I think it was satellite. In Cloverfield Paradox, when the Shepherd Accelerator is turned on, it is exactly at the same time as the monster appears in the first Cloverfield movie. It's at 18 minutes, 20 seconds. So that was supposed to be your clue that that caused all of these things. In Paradox, uh, the actress that plays Tam, which is, uh, I think it's Jai Wai Zhang, she is a big star in China. Her character only speaks Mandarin, though, because she doesn't speak English. So everyone spoke to her in Mandarin. Mark Stambler's warning about the Shepherd Accelerator bears a striking resemblance to what Stephen Hawking, Bill Nye, and others said about the Hig boson god particle that was discovered using the Large Hadron Collider in CERN. Do you remember this, when they were getting ready to turn that thing on? Several years ago, do you remember that? Uh, several people were saying they thought that it might destroy the universe. Yeah. And there is also a great video on YouTube called Monster Size Comparison by Metal Ball Studios that compares the size of, size of clovers and other monsters. And it's a fun quick watch, so I definitely would recommend that. That's fun to see. So, what's next? If you go to the Tagaratu website right now, uh, there is text there that's in Hebrew. Um, and this may be a clue to the next Cloververse project. Koma, K-O-M-A, is the name of a 2003 Israeli movie called Kolma, or As I've Done, and it's the story of a man who dies in a car accident 50 years ago. He's waiting um, on the other side for his girlfriend who survived the car accident. 
and she must decide whether to go be with him or not. It's expected to star Daisy Ridley, who, of course, is also in Abrams' Star Wars. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see when that website changes. It's been like that a while. Uh, if they follow the usual pattern, they'll just come up all of a sudden and say it's ready and that's it, and there will be nothing, nothing, no press release ahead of time. It'll just be there it is. So how that ties in the Cloververse, I don't know. They, they, they don't have a strange territory. They don't have a marketing department? Well, no, they, they do all this viral marketing on the side. So all of that is what's fueling people wanting to see more things about the Cloververse. So they don't do, Sneaky. it's not like traditional marketing. It's all of this other, you know, uh, auxiliary stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very mysterious. So what did you think about the Cloververse? It's, is that complicated? No, it sounds interesting. It's, it's very, It's very different and creative. Yeah, very creative. Uh, I just hope they, if that is a new movie, uh, Colma, that they give us a really good story. Because it's great that things are connected, but if the story's not good and you don't care about the actual characters in it, you know, but nobody is happy. And I think that's why people like really like the first two movies and not the third one. Mm. So, anyway, so what you got for us? Um, I hope it doesn't have anything that has a seabed, seabed nectar. Baby monsters, baby monster stew, <laughs> Japanese baby monster stew. Oh well, that would be a, that'd be a big stew because that's one big baby. You could feed a lot of. You could have a family reunion with it. You could, yeah. So what do you think? So, that's really good. I I I can't be as as creative as that movie, but um, so what I've come up with, and and to be honest, I've never made it, but I want to make it so bad is a Japanese cheesecake. And the difference between a cheesecake and a Japanese cheesecake is because the Japanese cheesecake is light and fluffy, kind of like a souffle. Oh. Okay. And because there's egg whites, you separate eggs and the egg whites, um, you fold in the egg whites and it makes the batter fluffy. There's still cream cheese and sugar in it. There's actually a video on how to make it. Um, this is from the Food Network, but there's a million videos in YouTube um, where there's factories making them in Japan, and uh, they're very popular. So um, Jeanette will put that up for you, and you have a great weekend, Jeanette, and everybody. I did not even know a Japanese cheesecake existed, so that's it great. It does. Wow. That's what we're here for. We're learning for. a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. If you're a mother or have a mother. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, and we'll see you here next week for another exciting topic. Thanks. Bye. Bye.